0: Welcome to the Line Cool
1: Podcast. A tennis show presented by Hector and Toby.
0: Hello, this is episode seven of the Line Cool Podcast with me, Toby, and my good friend Hector. Hector, how are you doing?
1: Hey Toby, I'm good, mate. I'm very good, thank you. Uh, Looking forward to another great week in tennis.
0: (laughs) Well, it it was another great week in tennis. We've just come off the back of the Rome Masters, Uh, we'll give it. A recap in this week's episode as well as a reflection on the latest ongoings with the Wimwooden saga um lots of kind of contentious stuff going on there and i think let's probably start with that what do you think
1: yeah so um we've we've just got a, a little a little bit of an update really on on the situation as it's unraveling right now um so as we know um A few weeks ago, Wimbledon announced um, that it would exclude Russian and Belarusian players from the 2022 tournament. Um, And at the moment, the the ATP Council, um, which is made up of the ATP chair and a few players who were voted to be part of it. So they basically help make decisions for the ATP Tour and they put forward the points of views of the players and help make sure that the, the ATP Tour is running the way that The players would like to. What's been happening there is in Madrid and in Rome, they were having discussions about possibly not awarding ranking points for Wimbledon and its associated tournaments. So, uh, Wimbledon, Queen's Club, um, Eastbourne, a few of the Grass Court tournaments in the UK. This sort of comes as a a surprise to me. I didn't really expect it. I really think it's one of the only things that's in the ATP tours in, in its control it can't really control Wimbledon or the All England Club banning Russian and Belarusian players because they're a separate entity from the ATP. All Grand Slams offer by far the largest points to all players. So the reason why they said they might be doing this is because they feel it's it's unfair to the Russian and Belarusian players not to have the opportunity to gain these points because it could have a a massive effect on on the year-end rankings. The rankings afterwards. A few a few examples. Um, Djokovic would no longer be world number one. You'd see a few people, um, a few players, quite heavily affected from last year. Berrettini obviously because he made it to the f- the final of Wimbledon and won Queens. And also actually Roger Federer as well. So due to Wimbledon being cancelled in 2020 in the whole COVID saga, they changed the ranking points for allowing them to retain half of them from the previous year on tournaments that couldn't be played he still technically has some of his points from the 2019 final if they were to remove the ranking points this year then he would be out of the top 100 it will affect a lot of things if it does go ahead we're not quite sure whether it will
0: they're planning to make yeah planning to make a decision on it in this coming week um yeah yeah Wimbledon's really facing some like you said, some serious backlash from the tennis world for the decision to ban uh, the Russian and Belarusian players from the tournament. Yeah, like you said, it's it's really the only kind of stronghold the ATP has over the Grand Slams uh, are the ranking points because, you know, like you said, the Four Slams are comfortably the richest and biggest events on the tennis calendar. And it's a, it's a, it's a risky play, really, for the ATP to try and strong-arm the Grand Slams, especially Wimbledon, the biggest Grand Slam of them all, like this, and it's really pitting the men's tour against the biggest tournament in the world. What would happen if the ranking points are stripped? you know from a player's perspective, you have to think there's going to be a lot of withdrawals from these British tournaments this summer, who's going to really want to play at these tournaments? Obviously, you know there's still the prize money there. But the ATP can't take away the prize money. So if they do withdraw the ranking points from the tournaments, Wimbledon's essentially going to become a £35 million exhibition tournament, which is pretty <laughs> crazy, isn't it? But yeah, I mean, I think a lot of players will scramble to try and get points elsewhere. I think if you look at the week before Wimbledon, Queen's, which is running at the same time as Halle, a lot of big names are already committing to play at Haller instead of Queen's, which from the LTA's perspective is really the kind of jewel in their tournament crown. So like Medvedev, obviously, is going to play at Halle. Um, So Zverev, Sinner, uh, Felix Aliasim, Eliasim, Hubie. All these big names have already agreed to play at Halle. while Queen's Club only has uh, Berrettini, who, like you said, won it last year, but who knows if he's going to be fit. He's actually not even going to be able to play at the French Open, is he? Nope. They also have Casper Rude and Carlos Alcaraz, who've agreed to play Queen's. But yeah, that's already a lot of big names not coming in playing at, at the LTA's biggest tournament. So, yeah, it's difficult for them. And also from the tournament's perspective, if they lose the ranking points, it's going to lose a lot of kind of status in the eyes of the broadcasters, the sponsors, the fans. You know, a lot of people are going to be less interested because if players do pull out or there's just less on the line, it's not going to be a regular Wimbledon really, is it? So, I mean, even from a selfish perspective, me and you, we're going to be there.
1: That's exactly what I was just thinking.
0: We want the highest level of competition as as, as tennis fans ourselves. We don't really want them taking away these these ranking points because it's going to have much more wide-ranging effects. But it, it does show you how strongly the players feel about this discrimination against the Russian and Belarusian players. Because like you said, this has come from the ATP Council where players such as Nadal and Federer sit as player representatives. and if they're wanting to make a decision such as removing the ranking post of Wimbledon, a decision that will affect not only them, but also so many other players, um, it does really show how strongly they feel on the issue, doesn't it? British players will, will be one of the ones who do feel the effects the most because they're the ones who do tend to play well on the grass courts and, and do well at this portion of the season the same way Perhaps the French, the Spanish, they tend to do well on the clay courts. It's just as it's just how how it goes. So yeah, like you said, um, proportionately, there'll be the British players, namely Andy Murray, will be one of the ones who are most affected by this. It's just a shame all these political issues are, are saying in the way of the sport. Um, I mean, you know, I, I still have the same stance I did last time, where I feel it's, you know, it's not what I want as a tennis fan, but it probably is the right decision really, um, in the face of what's going on in in the Ukraine. And I, I expected a backlash, but not as serious a backlash as we've actually seen from mm. the ATB Tour and the players. So it's obviously something I feel very strongly about. It's a tough decision um, that the Tour's in at the moment because they have to respect what the players want, but at the same time, you know, the slams, they do have the upper hand in terms of the uh, the power struggle. So, yeah,
1: I guess we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Um yeah, well, as I say, ne- next week we'll we'll give a give a clearer clearer point of view and we have some more information on the uh, on the events. Should we crack on with reviewing Rome?
0: Absolutely. So we're recording this here, Sunday the fifteenth of May, um, off of the back off the final of the Rome Masters. Djokovic is back. Djokovic has won the Rome Masters. He defeated Sitsapas in straight sets, 6-love, 7-6, in what was a pretty uh, drab final, if I'm honest. It wasn't really the best final. I mean, that's two tournaments in a row now where we've had pretty uneventful finals, but not to say there weren't some great games throughout the week. I think Rome as a tournament in general has been pretty fantastic. It looked like there was over 235,000 fans at Rome this week, which is pretty impressive numbers. Uh, I've got to say, I, I absolutely love that main stadium they've got there. Really, um, looks like a really great theatre. Um, mm.
1: Literally an amphitheatre at the Foro Italico.
0: But yeah, the main man this week, probably off the back of the confidence being picked by both of us to win the tournament this week. So congratulations. Firstly, go to you, Hector, on your first correct prediction here on the Line Call podcast. Prediction. Yeah, but I mean, main man this week is Djokovic. Again, a record-breaking week. He captured his 1,000th career win on the tour this week with his semi-final win over Casper Ruud. Becomes only the fifth man in the Open era to reach 1,000 wins, including uh, Jimmy Connors, Roger Federer, Ivan Lendl and Rafael Nadal. Rome was his 38th career Masters title, extending his record there too. He became the oldest man to win Rome. This week was his fourth straight final at Rome and his sixth total title in the Italian capital as well. Um, but one thing to kind of bear in mind, actually, as a Djokovic fan, is that every other time he's won Rome, he's never gone on to win uh, Roland Garros. So maybe Djokovic fans were maybe hoping Sitsipas would have woken up today, but it took him a little <laughs> while to wake up in, in the final, if I'm honest. Um, it, was, it was an important week as well for Djokovic because actually briefly, if you follow the live ATP rankings, he did drop, into number two in the world so it was important that he he won his games and um, and now he will go into Roland Garros as world number one
1: mm, I mean he needed to um, get to at least the semi finals to um to guarantee his world number one ranking didn't he uh, as you say um when in when in doubt go for the uh, go for the top seed with the predictions that's exactly what I did uh you know got got my first W in there just getting the ball rolling you know I'll crash for the French open um but yeah it was i I thought it was I, there were some absolutely cracking matches, to be honest this week um what did
0: you think of the final first and foremost
1: um well as as you say, I think it was a little bit of not not a drubbing, it was an hour and thirty six minutes I think sitzer was was a little bit slow out of the gates, so he looked a little bit like deer in headlights.
0: It wasn't just slow he was he was non existent in that first set he was, that's, just, that's what he I was mean, just he was he was he was asleep he he really he he just he did not look engaged at all in the match <laughs> until the start of that second set
1: very passive i think very passive and reactive as well, and that's not what we're used to seeing with um with sits pass especially on clay at the moment.
0: It's actually the first ever time he's been bageled in the first set and only the third time he's been bageled on the tour total
1: wow. I, I, that, that's that's a lovely stat. First time he's ever been bageled in the first set.
0: In the first set, yeah. I think maybe Djokovic wanted a little slice of redemption after he mm. himself got bageled in the Rome final in 2019. That was, brass good for Djokovic. Um, yeah, I think Djokovic, it was his elite return game today really helped him out. Sitsapas really was relying on that serve in that semi-final. Uh, a little stat here against Verov, Sitsapas had uh, 40% unreturned first serves. Whereas today, um, just in the first set against Djokovic, he only had 8% first serves unreturned. So it just shows wow. the quality of the Djokovic return and the effect it had on today's game. He was also just super dominant from the baseline as well. Another little stat for you here. In rallies over four shots, Djokovic won 30 of the points, while Sitsipas only won 16. That so just kind of shows the the kind of domination. Like you said as well, though, Sitsipas has been good on clay yet this year but actually in the head head between djokovic and tsitsipas um it's now 7-2 djokovic tsitsipas has never beaten djokovic on play it
1: it's it puts me at like a sort of a, a weird a weird feeling of what's going to happen at, at roland garros i just i can't i can't wait for the uh, you know f- for for the draws to come out and for it to happen it's going to be it's going we, we will have had the first day of play in a week's time starting next sunday
0: look if we look at the odds um after this week djokovic is now the bookie's favorite to win Mm-hmm. Um, there's varying odds about the ones I saw. He's about seven to four to win. Uh, our boy Carlos Alcaraz, he's he's second <laughs> favorite to win with the bookies, but around two to one. Um, and then behind them, they got Nadal and sits a pass, third and fourth favorite to win, and then everyone else is a bit far off And then. So it's the bookies of fancy Djokovic or Alcaraz. Like, um, before we get onto to running too much, I think let's let, let's look back at uh. A little more about Djokovic I think I think it's important to go over what kind of an, an impressive week it was for him you know didn't drop a set this week absolutely flawless uh three wins against top 10 opposition uh his other two wins came against Povrinka and Karatsev both players who who beat Djokovic the last time they played on clay so yep. good wins there as well and it builds on the point we made in the last episode uh where we were saying you know the momentum is building now and and Djokovic is really building up to the French Open. Um you know after that shock loss at Monte Carlo and then scraped through to the final at Belgrade but really was a shell of the player that we saw last year much better at Madrid the week before um semi-final lost to Alcaraz in an epic and then just brings it all together this week in Rome with a clinical performance.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean yeah, I'm just I'm I'm excited, you know, and I think um as you say, doing it all in straight sets, it never really looked like he was, you know, like pushed, pushed that much. You know, he he beat um Felix 7 has seen seven five, seven six in a fairly close encounter. But even even then, you never really felt like
0: that was Felix giving us everything. Felix played really, really well in that game and 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 he, he still couldn't get a set off him. So yeah, it kind of shows you the form Djokovic is in.
1: Still can't even get a set, let alone add, I mean I could yeah, it was, it was difficult to see him losing to anyone this week. I think Djokovic. I mean, I had for my predictions, I had um, Nadal in the semi final, and I, I mean, I actually, and actually, I, I, said, I remember saying with predictions. I don't even need to explain, you know, why I'll get to the quarters, and he, he lost out in the, um, in the round of sixteen to Denis Shapovalov. Um, it actually, it was a bit of, bit of an uncomfortable watch. Actually, at points, uh, he looked, he looked to be injured, but afterwards, he, he confirmed he's not injured he's just a player living with an injury so his his foot injury that he's been living with like the whole of his career and managing i think he had a little bit of a flare up and you can't take anything away from dennis cuz you know putting putting away a an injured player is actually a really like you know hard hard thing to do sometimes um and he still he still went out there it was a close close second set 7-5 um and he still went out there and even when nadals injured it can't be easy to to finish him off you know but he he did he did a good job it was a decent week
0: for dennis i thought um he nearly went off the rails in that very first game against um where he just like shouting back at the crowd there after he climbed over the net and lost (laughs) lost the game that way he
1: absolutely lost it
0: that crowd is brutal the italians just loved giving it jabbing the (laughs) jabbing at the play especially when uh when they're back in their own people there. So, yeah, Shabovov did well to turn it around from that point to go on to beat Nadal. Speaking of our predictions from last week, how many of the quarter-finalists did you guess correctly out, out of the eight? One,
1: two, three, four... Actually, five. So, I got Djokovic, Rude, Sinner, Tsitsipas and Zverev. And missed on who? Diego. Um, again, as we were speaking... Last week he's very hot and cold. He has an absolute epic against Mirmir Ketsmanovic, saving two match points.
0: For me, that was that was probably game game of the week. I really, really enjoyed that game. It was such a topsy turvy game, and both of them were playing such a high calibre of tennis. For Ketsmanovic to turn it around after he got battered in that first set, and then he got he actually kind of got robbed a little bit in that third set tie break. There was there was a point in that tie break where where Diego actually hit it out. It was, it was called as in, the umpire went and checked the, the mark and he, he said it was in, but then Hawkeye showed out, it was actually out. So my guy Ketchmanovich actually got robbed a little bit there and yeah, I thought that was a bit, that was, that was a bit unfortunate, but it doesn't, can't really take away from the game. But Diego played like hot and cold, played really well that game and then he goes on to get smashed in the next one.
1: Yeah, by uh, Marcus Girone, loses to a lucky, lucky loser, ranked 60th in the world.
0: Who's not... Played well this year, so yeah, that that is frustrating.
1: It literally makes no sense. I mentioned it last week. That's why it's so frustrating. Being a Diego fan because you can put performances performances in like that against Ketsmanovic. That, as I, I agree, uh, I think that was a match of the tournament. To be honest with you, um, and then yeah, and goes and <laughs> goes and plays a dud. But um, yeah, so I also Rafa didn't get through, uh, nor did um, Norrie, Actually, um, yeah he has,
0: Norris loss is pretty rubbish. He, did, he, he didn't he didn't play all too great against against Chilich. Um, I actually got a grand total of two two out of eight correct. So not not fantastic, but in my defence, um, yeah, I was I was robbed. I would say, and uh, yeah, let me tell you why. Like I just said, Ketchmanovich, he should have definitely <laughs> made the quarters. I mean, he was robbed um, on 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 that dodgy call. So that dodgy call had gone the right way. Yeah, I reckon he would have gone to the quarters, no doubt. Nadal, I also had him making the quarters. He didn't make quarters because he was injured, but how was I to know? Not on me, not my fault. Um, Again, Goffin, he lost uh, to Brooksby, which is a bit of a shock, but again, he was injured. He had to call the trainer out uh, midway through that first set. Uh, Otherwise, yeah, he would have made the quarters, no doubt, as well. Rublev. Um, was a pretty bad loss, loss for him to uh, Filip Kranovic. It was not a good game for Rublev, and he actually trails in a head-to-head now against um, Kranovic. Kranovic leads at 3-2. That's
1: not one you'd expect.
0: No, I should have seen that coming. That was on me. Like, we we touched on Norrie. He had a bit of a stinker. And finally, um, Sebastian Baez um, lost a close one to Zverev, I would say. Yeah. Um, it was. Um, I really enjoyed watching that game. For someone like Baez, who's five foot five, compared to Zverev, who's six foot five, Baez actually out-served Zverev that game. It took seriously. Yeah, it took um, Zverev thirty-five minutes slash into Baez's fifth service game to even win a point off the Baez serve. Wow. And you know, despite the loss, I'm not mad about it. It was a very impressive performance by Baez, and I think actually. I'm not sure how he'll continue to perform on the grass or on the hard later on in the year but actually I've been very impressed with his performances on the clay so far and he's definitely one to kind of look out for as a, as an up and comer on the tour.
1: Yeah, he's, he's he's great to watch. He's really great to watch. Great great athleticism and you know uh, obviously you are going to compare him to to Schwartzman as well but you know just doesn't doesn't really let anything go. Great movement and um that's that's really impressive with the serve.
0: Yeah, it was mental. He just, kept, he just kept winning his games to love. I was like, nah, it was good. It was good because he only he only dropped serve once. He lost that tiebreak and he he dropped serve once in that second set. So, it's shame he didn't take his chances against serve. Look, looking forward from Rome to Roland Garros in a week's time, it does look to be a two-horse race for the title, I would say.
1: Djokovic and Alcras.
0: Won't give our prediction yet. We'll save that for next week. Mm. but um, it's exciting to see that Medvedev will be there at least. He is back um, after the hernia surgery. Medvedev is back at Geneva this week, which is exciting. It'll be interesting to see how he comes back against a pretty weak field. Yeah, neither of these tournaments really got much going on.
1: I think it's just quite a lot of players trying to get as much time in on clay as they can before the French just to really feel ready for it, just to keep getting out there and and just being being match ready because i think a lot of a lot of players um take a lot of confidence from from getting those etching those wins in on the year so for geneva i think casper rude is going to win it you know he had a good week last week in rome um and as you say not the strongest fields i don't think Medvedev will play you know he's had a bit of time out his record on clay isn't the best so um yeah i think casper's gonna gonna win in geneva who who do you think is gonna win
0: I think I'm going to have to agree with you there. Uh, just based on the on 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 the week field, I feel like it's Casperud's time to to get a title here in the European clay court swing. Maybe Dennis Shapovalov will build off his success last week, but I'm going to go with you. I'm I'm, I'm going to go Casperud to, to to win Geneva this week.
1: Nice. Um. So for Leon, that's uh, quite an interesting field actually, and I was tempted to go for Pablo Carreño Busta. It's the second seed. Um, but I'm gonna go slightly, you know, left field with Alex de Menor. Um he's been he's been having some good results on Clay recently. It's not his favourite surface. Um but you know, he was unlucky to lose lose against Alcaraz a few weeks ago. I I'm,
0: I'm gonna stay beating the Baez drum. I'm gonna continue on that. Seventh seed, Sebastian Baez will come and claim his second title of the year and of his career. He will come through here at Lyon. I would love to see Norrie come through and win it as number one seed. It would be impressive for him to do that, but I, I can't see that happening. Uh, but I think also PCB has a good chance of coming through as well.
1: Yep, but you're sticking with Sebastian Bayer as your boy.
0: I am, absolutely, yeah. I have to have the back of the boys.
1: Actually, one thing to touch on from um, from Rome as well this week, Isner and Schwartzman, um are doubles pairing. The Isnerman as they like to be called. They got to the final, lost out to um, Nikola Mektic and Matej Pavic. Uh, actually, 12-10 in the match tiebreak final set. Um, but yeah, that was that was pretty hilarious to see, actually. I think it's a pretty good pairing, to be honest. Absolute booming serve, and then some great movement from from Diego.
0: I guess Diego wouldn't have to duck when he's at the net for a isn't serve.
1: Literally wouldn't. No. it like, just doesn't have to duck. Have you seen the photos?
0: Yeah, it's a pretty, pretty hilarious visual, isn't it?
1: It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. So um, yeah, thank you for listening to us this week, and we can't wait to give you the Roland Garros preview next week.
0: Be make sure to follow us on all our socials. We're on Instagram, we're on Twitter. Give us a nice little five star or however many stars you feel is valid. Little review on Spotify does us a world of good. Share with all your tennis mates. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for our French Open preview. Should be a bit of a beefy episode. Lots of great stats and content in there coming your way. Thanks for listening, everyone. This has been Toby and Hector with the Line Call Podcast.